0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. All right. Parschukas 5783, Perchof Posik Aleph. So all B'nei Yisrael, the entire Ada, the entire congregation, came to the desert of Tzin. In the first month, that's obviously Nisan, Rav and they lived in Kadesh Ba'tamas Sham Miriam B'tikavir Sham. Miriam died there, and she was buried there. Now in this partion, Chukas, quite often we get I don't want to say it's sidetracked, but we know that May Mariva happened. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, and that takes up a lot of the interest of this partial. But this Pesach right over here, where Miriam died there and she was buried there, is a very strange Pesach. Vatamas Shum Miriam, vatikaver Shum. The fact that both of those Shums are there, there's no need for it at all. Just say vatamas Thomas Miriam vatikaver, or Vatikav right, Ruosa, whatever it is. But you don't have to say the word Shum. So we're going to talk about all of this. So first, why does the puzzle say Kola Eda came to Midbar Sin, all of the Eda? Why would you have thought otherwise? Who, somebody was going to wait back behind, that they weren't going to be there? So Raj says it indicates that the Maseh Midbar had already passed away, that all the people in the Midbar had already gone. These were the survivors, all those that were left that all the people that were supposed to die because of the Maraglan were gone, and this is it. Now, this is a little strange since this is many m- months before Tishabov, and if you remember, everybody died on Tishabov, right? That was the last, I mean, if this is the 40th year, right, and it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan, then it would be strange, right, around that time, or at least the 10th of Nisan when she died, that the next those who were supposed to die still were gonna die five months later in Chodesh Av, four months later in Chodesh Av, and they didn't yet die. But the Gamarantinus and Bavasra seem to say, both of them seem to say that they were supposed to die in the 40th year. They never ended up dying. The last 15,000, the way Toso says it, never ended up dying, and that leads to our celebration of the 15th of Av, Tuba of, which is a huge call for everybody. Some say that one of the reasons was exactly for this. Although they didn't know it yet, everyone that was supposed to live was absolutely alive, and everyone who was supposed to die had already died. And Therefore, it says Kolaida. All of the people who were supposed to live were alive, even though they didn't know that yet. The Silver says everyone between the ages of 20 and 60, when the Egalozov happened, the 17th of Tamos, was supposed to die, were supposed to die, that year, but HaKadosh Baruch made it that the count started from the first of Nissan instead, so that when Miriam passed away in early Nissan, that was it, right? A little bit strange within the wording, there. but either way, regardless, no one else was going to die, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu later said, "Vatam advekim hayom chaim hayom." Vatam Yeshem you are stuck with our Kodesh Baruch You have the dvekos of the Kodesh Baruch chaim kulchem hayom. The sefer Shnei Ma'oros, as as and Rav Chaim Katz, the Av Beis in opposing, all say the exact same word. They say the Masei Midbar actually buried themselves. Right, this from the Gemara, the Gemara in Tainis and the Gemara and Bava Right before dying, they dug their own graves, and then afterward. In them thinking that they were going to pass away. And for 39 years, it's exactly what happened. Or really, I should say 38 years, it's exactly what happened. Here it says, Thomas she died, batikover, and then she was buried, indicating that the Masay Midbor are gone, right? And this is a new era of people who would pass away first and then bury themselves, as opposed to those who buried themselves and then passed away, which was what was happening by the Masay Midbor. Super unbelievable shot. The Ramban argues that whenever the people complain, the Pussic calls them Kol Hol in some way, that's what they're called. The complainers are called the Ada. And, and he gives a few examples of this, and he, it indicates that everyone had this complaint, even if only a few of them said it out loud, but they were all going to complain about the lack of water, which makes sense. They're in the Midbar, and they're probably really thirsty, and they have kids, and there's no water whatsoever. Reverse says that the word Ada refers to a nation that is united in one common goal ready to enter the new future waiting for their destiny there were though these were the people who were going to go to and take over the land together B'chodesh HaRishon indicates the first month when there is promise because everything's blossoming everything's bearing fruit it's the time of spring it's at this point that miriam passed away since she was of the old guard the new generation was ready to go that's how ripsh hirsch puts it she didn't leave the world however until she completed all of her tasks and everything she had to do here she had gotten all of the women of the nation ready for the next chapter of her life being the greatest woman that our nation has ever known and she ended her life on the highest possible note and that's why it says Kolaida because they were done they finished what they were supposed to do and that's the idea against the Ramban who says that it truly means people that were complaining Menachem Tzion points out her absolute greatness as the mother of all of Klai Yisrael. she had nevuah at a very very young age telling her father what to do and thus saving many of the children of Klai Yisrael that wouldn't have been born because Amram was separated from Yochebed and all the people did that as well Amram then got remarried to Tzipora from to Yehavid, obviously, thus causing everyone to get remarried as well. All of those children born afterward can therefore be attributed to her. And obviously, she saved Moshe Rabbeinu, the one Moshe Rabbein who needed somebody a nursemaid to be able to tell, help him. She's the one who told Bisya, the daughter of Paro, to exactly what to do. She brought out musical instruments from Eretz sang at Kriyas Yamsuf, and started the song with the women themselves. Right? And she knew there was going to be a Yeshua. Throughout the Midbar, whenever the women are mentioned, it's always for something good. They were never involved in the complaints throughout the Midbar, the sins that men committed. She was truly a great leader of women for even all of Chal Yisrael. The Orachim HaKadosh points out that every time we use the words B'nai Yisrael, it shows that the people are on a high spiritual level. And the person used the word Am, then it means they were on a lower spiritual level right so although sometimes you'll see all three of these words used this clause is pretty universal and we've heard it before the puzzle over here says that they were So they were on a very high spiritual level right that's the idea behind it they were Yisharim, they were tzadikim. they had spent 39 years in the midbar with Moshe Rabbeinu on the highest level learning from him eating from spiritual food drinking from spiritual water and living in clouds obviously they're on a very very high le- level not only that but they were they had They really believed in each other. They really worked with one another. There was no one among them that was not on this really high level. That's why Khazal called it Eidol Hashlaim, which is quoted by Rashi. They were complete, they were whole. So why is the Apostle telling us this? Because right afterward it says by Yeshev Haum Bikadesh. Now he says there's three real reasons that are going on over here. This is why Moshe Binu was punished for calling them Morim. After they did this rebellious people as if this is a nation of people that had done wrong things now the nation before them had done wrong things but this nation was not that same nation they had grown they had been bigger than that they were great people these people over here did not deserve to be called Morim, to be deserved, to be called uh, you know, rebellious people. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu was punished. Had there been actual Morim among them, then Moshe wouldn't have been punished. That's number one. Number two, to show how great Miriam was, even though all the tzaddikim, they were all tzaddikim, they were all great, she was the one who had this chus to give water to the people. She was greater than all of them. And that's amazing to be able to say in the passage. number three, to explain why the people were wrong when they ran to Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron about the water. Aaron thought they were coming ligmo ches, said to do a chesed because his sister had just passed away, right? But they were not. One might think that that's because, again, they weren't great people. But it's not true. That's not why they were complaining. The Pusik says they were great, all of them. They were B'nai Yisrael. This was just a very vexing situation, a situation that they didn't do well with, and that's Yeshava yeshiva um b'kadosh that there was something that happened. Well, why didn't the people say anything about Miriam's death? Why didn't they say, "Hey, we feel so sorry, but we're thirsty"? The word shum indicates, he says, the Or says that they she was buried very, very quickly, so nobody knew about it yet. They ran to Moshe and Aram because the water had run out. They didn't know why, and only later did they find out that Miriam had passed away. More about this later, but that's the basic idea. The Panam yafos da suggests that there was this is the reason why the people. People did not come running. They thought they were going to Erziswal right away. There was a re- that the, the, to bring the Korban Pasach there. Had they become Tomei for Miriam, he says, then they would all, all of them, none of them would be able to bring the Korban Pasach because they would be Tomei. They were wrong, of course, because we know that the pe- Korban Pasach could be brought by Tuma. But that was their thought process, and that's why the people weren't coming Ligmo Chasid with Miriam because they wanted to bring the Korban Pasach. It was the first of Nisan, 10th of Nisan. They were worried about what was going to be on the 15th. Those nine Latorre says the reason why they didn't cry because it's sometimes it's an interesting line you know it's difficult to cry over somebody who dies at a very old age you kind of think like well yeah it was their time after all weren't they going to die at some point now Miriam, Arun, and Moshe all died at an advanced age 120, 123, and 126 at a time when apparently people were dying much much earlier Moshe Rabbeinu says right um, uh, rubem, uh, uh, what's the wording? The years of them is seventy years. Say Sayam, right. If you were really old, right? Shmonim shana. There was eighty years altogether, and we say that right. in part of the Tfilos, the Tehillim, that Moshe Abinu says, and we have that in our tef- in our tef- every Shabbos morning. own however, died in a very strange fashion. No one was there. They just knew that Moshe Adlazer was, was there at the time and they showed the people where he was buried. Such a strange story showed them what they were missing and they cried over such a malach that was no longer with them. So even though Aaron died at the age of 123 and he clearly lived a very, very long and fulfilling life, but his death was weird. They didn't see him die. He went up to a cave and only Moshe and Elez was there. And that's the reason why I told him. Moshe, they knew had passed away, but they had no idea where he was or where his cave was and where he was buried. They cried over not knowing where to find the kever. Even though he was old, they could cry over something like that. But Miriam, on the other hand, was old and she was buried. It was normal. So when she died at the age 126, they were like, I mean, she lived a really long life. She lived pretty well. It was very hard for them to find a reason to cry over her death. And that's the difference between why they cried for Aaron, they cried for Moshe, because they felt they missed something, but they didn't miss anything by Miriam. And it's hard to die, cry for some of their death. That's the that Osnine LaToris shot. It's a very good psychological shot. Rashi asked, why do we put the Parsha of Miriam right next to the Parsha of Paraduma? Obviously, the beginning of of what happens by Parshish Lucas itself, after all, right? The people were told about the Paro Doom in the first year of the Midbor, not in year 40, which is when Miriam passed away. They were told about it when they first left Mittani. The first Paro was actually burned in the second year. Not now. This is 38 years later. Right, this is very strange and it's to tell you says Rashi that the korbanos just like the korbanos atoned for the people and made them to have a kapara itself so to the death of a tzaddik is able to atone for the people themselves there's a lot on this the Siv coming points out that even though paraduma was technically not a korban it was called a chatas it's considered like a chatas and therefore because it's called that way in other kachim and it's asr so therefore even though it's technically not a korban even though it's technically not a machaper, we call it something that's like a makhapra and so to that that's why Paras Miriam was put next to the actual korban, not put next to actual korbanos. Since both the Paraduma and the death of a tzaddik are able to be machaper, even though they're not korbanos, so we put them together right next to each other, right? But a korban is actually machaper. That's what a chatzas or what a nashim is. That's a sifsa chamin. The Balaturim points out a few ramos here. Arishon is next to Paraduma because the first paro was burned in Nisan thirty-eight years earlier, according to Bamidbar Rabba Yudbeis Tesvav. Paraduma is the gamatra three forty-one, which is machaper plus Kolo, as well as the word shame, right? Plus the coal, obviously, right? Shame as in shum that Miriam was buried there. The truth is, said Rucham Levavitz, right, quoted by the Talayoros, the Mashkiach of the Mir, the Kiddush is not that the death of a gives is Machaper, right? Of course, his chus is going to help Klaus, or her Tzaddik is going to help Klaus. So. what would you think otherwise? That's what a would do. The Kiddush is that even Korbanos can be Machaper. That should not make any sense. And yet it still works because that's what a Baruch Baruch wants. That's an amazing bit of Chesed that Hashem has done for us. And it really should go the other way. Just like Miriam's death is Machaper, so too even the Paraduma's is Machaper, let alone Korbanos. That's it. the idea. The Ksabsofer says, korbanos technically need three things in order to be machaper. Number one, you have to bring the sachem along with them, the wine libations. And the sachem by a tzaddik are the tears that one cries over the tzaddik's death. Number two, the Ikribian behind any korban is Chuva, and obviously that's needed by the death of a tzaddik as well. You yourself have to do tshuva or else the death of a tzaddik does nothing for you. Number three, it's got to be shaktid b'makam kadosh, with its blood and its fats being brought bifnim. When everything is done outside, it's not machaper except for a paraduma and so too with the death of a tzaddik. It's machaper no matter where he dies, whether it's in Eretz Yisrael, or even if the Tzaddik dies in Chutzlar, it still helps absolutely everybody. And that's why it's compared to a Para Aduma, because it's just like when a Tzaddik dies in Chutzlar, which is exactly what happened to Miriam. She died in Chutzlar, and yet her death is still Mechaper. Now, Ayelet HaShakr has a, chakra, a long discussion here, if tshuva is actually necessary for the Kapar to work, or if it's automatic, based on this idea that Ksav Sofer says clearly it's something where Schwab says the acceptance of the death of a Tzaddik is Mechaper, when you don't question God's ways, or why Hashem let such a die, right? That's similar to our acceptance of certain Klukim and how they work. We just accept it. We know just like Paradum itself. Now the Klecker says the connection between the two is just like the Para comes along to clean up the mess that its child made, the agel so too this Tsadekus cleaned up the sins of those who she considers her children after her death. We find this connection between the death of Tzadikim and Korbanos in four different places. When Nadav and Aviu died, they were placed next to the Yom Kippur services, over here with Paraduma as well as Miriam. Aaron's death is by the big day Kuhuna, very much later in this Parsha, and Aaron's death it's put next to the breaking of the Luchos in Parsha Zekeb. That's because of the death of Tzadik, says the Kleoker, has four things that could be called a toella, something good for Klai Yisrael. Number one, the world gets their Pernosa in their Schos, like Rechinina Mendoza, Miriam with her well Moshe Rabbeinu and the Mun he tell number two the tzaddik tells them how to act and what to do sort of like the luchos tell a person how to act number three he protects them like clothing protects the body and number four he's machapra for them with his death just like Yom Kippur all four of those concepts of being put next to one another are the four concepts of what we have why we put the death of tzaddik so by these different places now Tom Vidas from Sternbach suggests a totally different connection when you burn a para down to ashes even though you took away all of its chiyas all of its life the ashes still remain Torah and Kadosh. So too with the Tzadik that passes away, that even after he dies, his influence, the Kedusha that he brought into the world lasts for everybody in his generation. That's only if you're connected to the Tzadik in some way. Then you can take on that Kedusha for yourself even after his death. Like a para is mechapra, when you come into contact with it, Right? In order to become Tahor, that's the idea behind it. So too, when it comes to the Tzaddik itself. So so too, so that's how the Tanvadah says, you have to have some connection with them. You. you have to take something on from them. That's why they say that you should learn Mishnaiyas for the Tzaddik. You should do something. To Sefis Bracha, this is where Baruch Epstein says, we chose Miriam to be placed next to the Paradjuma, not Aaron and not Moshe. Because one might think that only a Tzaddik has the ability to affect a kavar. a guy. Because he's hiving all the mitzvahs. But a woman who's not hiving all the mitzvahs, maybe not. Apparently, even a woman has the ability to be a chopper for everyone. So, to the paraduma it's got to be a female, not a par aduma, right or edom. It's a parah aduma. Right, to show that even it, even a female, can be machaper, unlike most korbanos that are Khatos and ashams, which have to be a male. Or perhaps because they're chukim tam, a chok without any reason. We don't fully understand how a parah can make something taller. We don't understand how the death of a can help all the Either way, both are true, and we accept that, and we know it, and we understand there's a plan behind what a Baruch was doing. Um, in mayan Beis gives an even simpler explanation for the parah Duma being here. Korach is still the second year of the midbar, while Miriam is dying in the 40th. during the 30th, 38 years in between the Masei Midbor, in between, the Masei Midbor passed away, and the people kept having to worry about Tumas Mace. They were constantly involved in burying and taking care of the bodies. Again, this is not according to the shot that they all died in Tuba of, right, or Tisha I'm sorry, and that they would bury themselves alive, and then they cover them up afterward. This is assumed that they just died throughout the Midbor, so they constantly had to worry about that the one Parsha that they had to chazar over and over and over and over again during those 38 years in between Parshas Korach and Parshas Chukas is is... Paraduma. They have to know how to become taller again. And that's the reason why it's mentioned over. That's why the only parsha mentioned between 2 and 40 is the paraduma, because that's the one parsha they needed. Those nine Latour says the Ashta Paraduma are actually kept as a Mishmeris by the Aaron Kodesh to be Machapar on the Ekel Azov. The death of a tzaddik, I don't know where that is otherwise. I assume it's a measure somewhere that it's one of the things that's kept there. The death of a Tzaddik is not only Machapar right then, but for the future as well. Anyone who is malavis, was Malava Sa'ri Menu was Zocha to be Malava Avram you know at his death 38 years later, the and we showed respect to Yaakov, you we know, were allowed to live for many more years after that, and so too when they paid the respects for Eve, Being the being Lava Atzadik, at showing them respect when the person dies, is something that saves you not just now, but in the future as well. And that's why it's a Mishmeris by the Paraduma, and so too over here, that's how Zayim Latorah. In the year Tafresh is in 1848, a terrible plague sw- spread through the city of Nadvorna when many people passed away. In that city lived Rabbi Socher Dov, the father of the Tzadik Rabbi Mordechai of Nadvorna. The people approached the Rav crying and wailing to Rabbi Socher Dov and asked him to help them. He commanded that they ready him a horse and a chariot to travel on a road right outside of the city itself. When they arrived at a certain spot, the Rav told the wagon driver and the men traveling with him that if they see another chariot Coming in the opposite direction, they should not move out of the way and not allow him to go any further, no matter what the other man says or does. They stayed in the middle of the road, and sure enough, another chariot came flying by, but had to halt because of the rubs chariot that was right in the middle of the road, right? So that's what happened. It blocked the way. So he screamed at them, the person in the other chariot, screamed at these people right here along with the rub. He eventually unsheathed his sword, right? But the chariot of the rub did nothing. Trusting the Rebbe. they said, we're not moving, we're not moving. Eventually, the man got off his wagon, approached the Ruv showing him a notebook filled with names. The rav looked at it for a bit, then told the wagon driver to drive him back to Nadvorna. When he came home, he told his family that he saw many names of the Nadvorna c- citizens that were supposed to die in that notebook, and he made a trade with that man, who I guess was the Malachamavas or a shade of some sort. He, right, he said he would trade his life for all of theirs. He would die and all the others would survive this plague. There was nothing else that could be done. He finished his will, spoke to his family, and then passed away, and the plague ended. The Sipuri Hasidim, page 396. The he had a tzaddik of a son-in-law, Ritzvi Hirsch Levinson, who was his right-hand man when it came to all the things of the yeshiva and radin. He would often give away his supper to the bacharim, Ritzvi Hirsch Levinson, right? he were going hungry, and he knew there were a bunch of bacharim going hungry, and he gave it to them. When a Bakr came to him to say goodbye, on his way to join the army at a young, young age, super young age, he noticed his shoes were torn and muddy, right? So he switched shoes with him in the middle of the winter. Right In the end, the holes in his shoes caused him to catch a cold that he never recovered from, Rev Levinson. And he was dying. On the day of his death, the Chavetz Chaim entered the yeshiva during Seder. He put his head in the Aaron Kodesh and he cried and he cried. He came out, and he said in a voice choked with tears, there's no answer, no answer. He passed away right before World War I when the Bolsheviks were starting to take over Russia. The Levinson said to her husband, is there so much evil in this world that they had to take away? our son-in-law because of Midas Adin? The Chafetz Chaim's response was, what do you want? You want half the world to die? That was his response. He then brought a Rashi and said that a tzaddik can be taken as a Kapara for his generation. That's what the Chafetz Chaim felt about his son-in-law, and who knows if the Chafetz Chaim did not waste words and he didn't exaggerate. If Imamash meant that it was either his son-in-law, Rutzir Levinson, or half the world that was supposed to die during World War I. I wouldn't put it past anything. The Chizkuni gives another reason for this Smichos of parashios here. He says that since we already began speaking about the Mesey Midbar earlier, those who died in the Midbar, with the Meraglim and then Adaskorach, the puzzle then goes on to talk about Aaron and Miriam's death over here, which makes a lot of sense. That's the idea behind it. We talked about the Meraglim dying, talked about Korach dying, even, you know, I guess in Baaloscha, with the Misonim, the Hisabu Taiva, etc., they all passed away. So do we go into it over here? Rashi says even Miriam died. What is called Nishika Misas Nishika The easiest Most pain, painless death That exists in the world By Moshe been, And by Aaron HaKohin We know this happened From the words Al Pi Hashem Now that's not written By Miriam Why are those words Not repeated over here Why are they not said The Gemara says And this really Rashi quotes It's not derek Kavot Which takes some Kind of understanding What exactly does that mean Over here It's not derek Kavot To say that he kissed a woman It's not like A Kodesh Baruch Hu, Right is a human, is a male, right? Instead, we learn this from Shava. he says, from the word Shum, Shum, from Aaron Akon, from Moshe Rabbeinu, just like they died by and it says Al-Pi so too Miriam died by al Piyashem, even though it doesn't say it. Now, this is all based on a Gemara. The Gemara is in Babu Basu, die Zayim Aleph, right before the end of the first part. She did not die from the Malachimavis, rather, she died from Nishika. The Imre Shaffer wonders, how could Rashi know this? How did the Gemara know this, really? He says, the question is the word Shum like I said before, is totally unnecessary. What this means is there are people of a decree of death upon them. So they're already dead in Shemayim before they actually die down here. Shalzichuv's Mariel and Gimmel Gimel says, This helps us understand a Gemara on Shabbos, Kufnun, Vavim, and Aleph, which says someone who's born on Shabbos will die on Shabbos. Right? We see that doesn't always happen. People that are born on Shabbos don't always die on Shabbos. It says the Gezerah that we're going to die, though, happens on Shabbos. Even if they actually die in a different day, the gezera happens on Shabbos. But that only happens for someone who dies through the Malachim where the gezerah is made, and then eventually the Malachim fulfills that gezerah. But what about people who died through HaKadosh Baruch Himself, through Neshika? Then the death cannot be announced, since it's not known above when it's supposed to be, because only HaKadosh who knows. They're considered dead only when they actually die. So for everybody else, you could say that they died, and then they died. They were said they were going to die, there was a gezerah they were going to die, and then they actually died but here by Miriam by Thomas Shum Miriam. Miriam died there. Not beforehand, since she didn't actually die to the Malachimov, she died by a kaddish Baruch There's a problem with this, pointed out by the Ozer Pelozot We have a minig from this, you know, because if a person dies in a city, to spill out a little bit of water when someone in the town passes away. It's brought in the Kolbo, Hilch Avilos and the Shulchan Aruch Shem Lamentas. One of the reasons for this is because the Malachamovas washes his sword in the town well after he does the job. And we therefore spill out a little bit of water so we're not contaminated by it. But there was no Malachimov by Miriam's death. So how do we learn this minhug of spilling out a little bit of water, right, because there was no water after Miriam died, from a case where there was no Malachimovah, she died through Mises Nishika. But... He answers, maybe Ben Yisrael didn't know that, and therefore they did spill it a little bit of water and that for that reason. They lost the water, even though they really didn't have to, and that became a minute for us from that point on. That answers is <laughs> Yisrael The Panam Yafu says Moshe Aram wouldn't be a Mitharist thing that she died through Neshika, and therefore nobody knew, so they assumed, and therefore it was going to be that way. Panach Raza, Raza says, Vatamas Sham Miriam is a gemach of 1,476, which is Bikan Remez Lishbocha Mayim it, this is a remez, to spill a water in front of the dead person. It's as if everyone there spilled out the water, and there was no water left to drink whatsoever. Right? That's the idea behind it. The bechor short, Moshe Zikhanim, uh where is it. Moshe Zakenim says, "Right, it's done." So everybody knows that somebody died in the city, and that everyone will show up for their funeral. So it wouldn't be embarrassing. they all pay the respects to the mis of uh, to the to the deceased. The bechor he adds that there was a gezerus against those who were not malava the dead to their final resting place. This was done to announce the death without informing people directly, which the Gemara himself says a is not supposed to do, which is why the Shach says there's a reason for this minigensim and shenel matas. All that is there apparently is from that. But what is misus neshika exactly? What exactly is? Now we've spoken a little bit about this before. But the Ravina B'chaya says by the words Alpi Hashem that a sikhlius b'shem that sikhlius, in other words, one's mind is misalus raised up to be dovok in a karish baruch Hu. It's as if he dies through a form of dvekas that his neshama simply leaves his body, as opposed to his soul being pulled from his body. That's uni compares it to a fruit falling off a tree when it's fully. Ripe rather than being picked by a tree when somebody wants the fruit. That's the idea behind it. It just sort of leaves. The Neshama leaves. The Benel says something similar to this. It's not he spalus agashmi at all. It has nothing to do with gashmias. Rather a severing of a kesher between the two that can happen through, from oneself or from something else. He speaks about this at length over there, the Benel, but that's the basic idea behind it. The Rambam in Morinavuchem, Chel Gimel, Perek says it's when someone dies from a tremendous amount of desire that allows a person to get a certain amount of enough. Similar to how Shlomo Malf describes our relationship to a Baruch in Shir Shirim, Yishakeni Mina Pihu. He should kiss us from the kisses of his mouth. It's a connection to a Baruch that one cannot compare to. And literally as if It's just the soul is simply melting away from the body. The Chassam Sofer explains in his Drush, it's Chilik Beis, page 334, saying that when a person is so connected to Hashem because of his desire to be close to him, it's like a flame clinging to a candle, right? Becoming one thing together. When the time comes, he's dovuk to Hashem above, to his makor and his shorish, and the fire just goes up. Until then, Kurdish Baruch keeps his soul in his body. He needs to have that thing, that wick that's holding it down and doesn't let it out. When he lets go, then all of a sudden the Saddock is one with Hashem, and that's called Nashika. Also, all of these ideas are basically the same with nuanced differences. Riv Schwab wonders what could possibly be wrong here. How could you say that it's not Shaw Milo to say that he kissed Miriam? That seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? Like, why would that be a problem considering Akash Baruch? It's, again, how is that inappropriate? A father kissing a daughter is not considered inappropriate, so I would assume that a Kodesh Baruch is considered a father to Miriam. I, I don't understand what that would be. All of Shir Hashim is way more graphic when it comes to stuff like this about the relationship between a husband and a wife, and it says, you know, than just saying the words Al Pi Hashem by the mouth of Hashem. He says that mis is when a person feels so close, as we said above, that the Nishama just leaves the body on its own, and very few people have the ability to reach this Madrega, and even then we assume it's through learning Torah properly, which is not really shaykh by women as much because women don't learn Torah in the same way that men do, whether they should or not, all right, that's another, but they don't in the same way. So how in the world, the fact that Moshe was able to die, you know, the fact that Aaron was able to die through Neshika itself, that makes sense. They learned a crazy amount of Torah. But Miriam, she was able to do it without learning Torah the way that her brothers did. To say that would actually downgrade the covenant of a Baruch Hu, which is a Baruch that people would learn to achieve that greatness, not by gaining it in some other way. That's why the Passover doesn't say clearly, Api Hashem, by her as it does by Aaron and Moshe, because it's a little bit different, and it doesn't sound good that we're telling you to learn Torah, learn Torah, learn Torah, and yet Miriam is able to do it without that's the amazing part yeah, That's how Roshwa puts it. The Orachamek gives another reason for the word shum. He says, There she died, since she was no longer with them, but she still lives like any other tzaddik who passes away. As we say, tzadikim, even when they're dead, they're called alive, right? They're like pearls, he says, in a treasury box in front of Akarish karish When a person wants to see or wear one of the pearls, he opens up the box, he takes it out, he puts it in a setting, and Hashem does the same thing with tzaddikim, so it's not like they're dead, so to speak. Then it gives a very practical reason for the word shum. Miriam was not deceived. Dec- creed to die outside of our were where her brothers Moshe and Aaron. Nonetheless, even though the Xer wasn't on her, she was buried there in the Midbar itself. In my mind, Possibly this is because they weren't going to allow in because of what happened at May It would feel terrible for them if she was allowed in. while well, they weren't allowed in, right? They wouldn't be allowed to go in at all. Maybe it's because of the Lush heart she spoke, she wouldn't be allowed to go in. But either way, but that's the word Sham. She wasn't like the others. She didn't need to die outside of Eritzalt, but she did die outside of Eritasul. The and Yosin says because Miriam was buried immediately without letting anyone know what had happened, there was a dearth of proper espadum for her, as we mentioned before. No one cried over death as they should have, and we talked about that before as well, due to the lack of crying that caused the water to stop which is in Rizkos anyway, but probably would have come back in Moshe's reign was close if they would have cried properly over her death, and that was the Me To end, and this is the very last part that we're going to talk about today, there's a question when exactly Miriam died. In Seder Olam, Medrash and Josephus, they all say she died on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Right, however, Megillas Targum Targamionas in here in the Shulchan Aruch and Orochain Tufkuf Pei Bays says she died on the tenth of Nisan. Shalshala Kabbalah and the those both say that she came to Kadesh on the first they came to Kadesh on the first day of Nisan, but she died ten days later, which would go with the Targum on Megillas Tynis and the Shulchan Aruch itself. Ravy Kaplan says it was at that time that the message was sent over to the king of Edom, and there's so much more in the party of Yosef. This is an amazing subject to try to figure out exactly what it is, but it seems that Benezal is taken on as themselves as a minute that it's going to be on the 10th day of Nissan, and that's when Miriam passed away. Maybe it would be Zulcha, to have many more kaparos, right? But not through a mess, a line of death, without death being involved. Have a good Shabbos, everyone.